it organically, really like spontaneously. It's not just going in there and making a noise, folks. <laughs> the Classic Rock Files with Kelly Parker and Mike Young. Hi, Mike. Hi, Kelly. I'll tell you right now, I'm looking forward to this. We've had some great biopics coming out, and uh, if you've ever thought, hey, you know who deserves one? Lemmy, you're about to get your wish. Helmed by Greg Oliver, who previously did the 2010 documentary of the same name, this will go into production next year, and they are planning on introducing the film at the Cannes Virtual Market, which will hopefully get it picked up by a distributor. Uh, I'm excited because this is going to take a look at his whole life, from yeah. the beginnings of being a child to being a roadie for Jimi Hendrix to forming, uh, being a member of Hawkwind yeah. to then forming Motorhead. So it's the whole thing. Yeah, there is so much there, it's incredible. I do hope that the movie is a little bit more creative and exciting than the titles, because as you said, uh, the movie is going to be called uh, Lemmy. It's going to be directed by Greg Oliver, who previously directed the 2010 documentary called Lemmy. Well, I mean, I, what else are you going to call it? It's perfect. I like it's concise. I understand that. And everybody knows the name Lemmy. Yeah. You know, they... Oh, I'm not few, suggesting I've got a better title. There are few rock and roll icons that are as well known just by a name, like a one-name guy. Yeah, like, You sure. just say his name and you know. You don't have to be a fan of Motorhead. You never have to heard a Motorhead song. Yeah. But you know Lemmy. You know what he looks like. You know the mole on his face. You know that he was a smoker and a drinker like nobody's business. Yeah. Um, you know that he's passed away. Um, but all those things in between, you know, him dedicating himself to this band Motorhead. We talk about bands evolving and changing their sound. That's a band that never changed their sound. No. You know, they, they continued in. to tie that down and were successful for their 30-plus year career. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I hope they go into some of his personal stuff because not a lot is known he was, he was almost a recluse, especially near the end of his life. He would sit in a bar in Los Angeles yeah, all kind day. Yeah, kind of a public recluse. Yeah. He, de- he was in the bar almost every single night. I think the Rainbow Room. Yeah, and he would just drink you know, his favorite uh, hard alcohol of choice, and yeah. he would smoke. And he was a huge collector. I mean, some people think this is odd, but everyone collects things. He collected Nazi memorabilia from World War II. Why did he gravitate towards that? You can even see some of the, like, uh, I guess they were like officer badges, you know, that cross symbol. Even oh, the, about, um, it's called the Maltese Cross, yeah. the thing that they wore at their neck. Yes, and some of that is even incorporated into some Motorhead yeah. logos. Hey, they got there. an umlaut in the, in the name. So, uh, yeah, just I'd love to know more about the person who was Lemmy because we know the man on stage, we know the songs. Yeah. So I hope this goes into that a little bit more. That's the best thing I can hope for from any biopic usually is can we get to know the person a little bit better? Sure. Well, when it comes out, you won't miss it because it'll be called Lemmy. And there's only one person it could be about. Okay, moving along here. Aerosmith's drum tech, John Douglas. We'd never heard of him, and we wouldn't have heard of him unless uh, last August when uh, Joey Kramer allegedly twisted his ankle and couldn't perform a show. And uh, John Douglas uh, filled in ably for Joey Kramer that night at the uh, Vegas show for Aerosmith. Now, a lot of bands uh, have their guitar techs, their drum techs, who are also incredible musicians and know all the songs. Some of them actually augment the live sound of bands uh, by playing under the stage or backstage. So that's not uncommon. Not so apparently with John Douglas. Yeah, you mentioned the injury that supposedly happened, uh, resulting in Douglas playing a number of shows at Aerosmith in Vegas as a part of its deuces in our wild residency. And then, of course, the Holker Fluffle, Douglas perform at the Grammys on stage with Run DMC and Aerosmith. Yeah. He said that when he was hired 
as the drummer to replace Kramer. That's even overstating there's, there's, it. A, there's a quote to that. But he said he had six hours to learn the set list for that night. So it's about 16 to 17 songs. And obviously as a drum tech, guitar tech, etc., you know a few of the songs because in the case of Aerosmith, techs do the sound check. So they jam through a few songs maybe or just maybe have some stuff that they do like a tech jam where it's not Aerosmith songs, but they're proficient players. Plus, you also hear the songs every single night. But can you imagine the pressure, though? Yeah, here's the set list, which I think Aerosmith might change every single night. I think they, they're one of the bands like Cheap Trick that just comes up with the set list that night. Although with the Vegas residency, with some of the technical issues around that, the audio, the visual, maybe it's a little more set, the set list. But either way, six hours, learn these. You're going to be out on stage tonight. Yeah, yeah and you mentioned the hiring process, not exactly a regular hiring process. He said that uh, I'm not even sure if they asked me. I think they told me. It's kind of a blur. It was show day. I was in the building. The band doesn't do sound check typically, so the crew does. And we had just started that when I got the phone call from Steven saying that Joey couldn't play. I don't remember actually being asked. I would have said yes. I've done this before with other bands a couple of times, but it had been a while, and it's always obviously unexpected. So it was just a matter of okay, yeah. It's one of those things like in Ghostbusters when Winston says to Ray, if someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. If someone asks you if you can drum for Aerosmith, you say yes. Oh, absolutely. You figure it out in the six hours you have and we'll make it work. Yes, and I myself, and I think if you say you wouldn't, you're lying. As much as a dream as that would be, I would take at least a few minutes of that six hours to get myself into an adult diaper before I went on stage. Can you imagine, though, if you like really were unable to do this like mentally and physically and you're just like six hours is not enough time i can't do this but then you go it anyway in today's day and age with video recording you would go viral so quickly this is the worst drumming scenario i've ever seen at a live show you blow the entire thing you can't keep a beat you're playing all out of place (laughs) even that's worth just doing it because you got to play with aerosmith one time and it was maybe their most memorable show for all the wrong reasons so even if you can't play drums and someone asks you to play drums do it and somebody is going to do a side-by-side for sure of your terrible drumming beside the six-year-old who can nail tom sawyer from rush oh of course I've had lots of nightmares where... Um, you were the drummer of Aerosmith. Where the drummer of Aerosmith. Where I'm in a situation where either I'm going on stage to do a play because I have a bit of a theater background and I don't know any of the lines. I've never been to a rehearsal. I just have to walk out in front of the live crowd and somehow do this. And I, I, I hope that's a common dream that a lot of people uh, have. I think that's, there's spinoffs of that dream, the yeah. classic, I've got a math test and I didn't study, you know? <laughs> it's the same, <laughs> just, same panic inside you. Oh, exactly. my God. Oh, my God. But he pulled it off. He actually played with them for about six months, including that uh, Grammy show, so he'll always have that. And it just goes to show you, Aerosmith's songs, not very hard to play. Learn the whole catalog in six hours. So Serge Tankian posted on Instagram recently, and it kind of brings up an interesting conversation. A new Instagram post, Tankian shared the lyrics to the early System of a Down song, Temper, which was on the band's 1996 demo tape 2, and that was released prior to their self-titled debut in 19. 19- It's a highly political song, and that's where the conversation comes in. Yeah, so along with the lyrics, he also captioned the post, and he wrote, A very early System of a Down song that was one of our demos. If you love this song or play along to it and love Trump, you're a hypocrite. Just a simple fact. We all know that Serge is very openly political and does not like Donald Trump. Right. Uh, Some of his other band mates disagree and mm-hmm. that's maybe some of the dissension they've had over Could the last be. several years yeah. um but it got me thinking about the idea of separating music from the message 
to say to me or anybody else that if you like this song, you obviously like this person or vice versa. And you're a hypocrite for you can't enjoy one without the other. Yeah. So I immediately think of some artists that have gotten into hot water in recent years. Now, these aren't rock artists, but R. Kelly and Chris Brown. Okay, yeah. They still have, Chris Brown specifically, still has a very feverish fan base. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to Chris Brown's music because you like the music, you think, hey, this is a great R&B song or hip-hop song, whatever mm -hmm. he does, whatever you think. That doesn't mean that you condone violence against women or support the fact that he beat up Rihanna. If you listen to R. Kelly, I think the remix to Ignition is one of the greatest pop songs ever written. Okay. And I still think that. Mm -hmm. But what R. Kelly did was awful. And he's a horrible person. Yeah. But the song, I can still put it on and tap my toe because it's a banger. Yeah. You know, I, I have no problem separating the two. That doesn't make me a pedophile because I enjoy the remix to Ignition. And so that's that, counter to what Tankian is saying. Yeah. Here. That yeah. If, you, if you like the song, if you tap your toe to it, if you, you, know, you, you play along a guitar, you think it's cool, you want to learn the chords. Yeah. And you happen to, your political beliefs align with Donald Trump, that makes you a hypocrite. Yeah, I understand. I mean, it's a full, it's a gray area. Like, for example, uh, I just started thinking of a few people like Ted Nugent, Bananas. Of course. But, but I will always listen to him when he's on a podcast because he at least presents his arguments in an intelligently formed way. So I'll listen to those. And I still like rocking out to his tunes. I have no problem with Ted Nugent. Ozzy woke up in jail in the 80s after the night before getting drunk and trying to strangle Sharon. Didn't even know it. He was in the jail, and he asked the guard, why am I here? They said, yeah, you tried to kill your wife. We still listen to Ozzy in spite of that thing that he did. But like a guy like Gary Glitter, for example, still in jail for pedophilia. And we talked about what happened when the Joker movie was released. Yeah. They brought that song that had not been really in the public consciousness for years, and I told the story about going to see the movie, and when that song started playing, I was like, man, you know, I miss this song because it's awesome. Sure. It's so, it was so great to hear that growing up in arenas, you know, when the Jets were playing at the old Winnipeg Arena and you mm -hmm. hear that song come on. Like, that was an anthem heard in arenas and stadiums around the world, and it just disappeared. We pulled it out of the public consciousness. And but, when I heard it in that movie, I thought, oh, this is super cool. But at the same time, since this story came out about Gary Glitter, I have done everything that I could not to put another cent in that guy's pocket. That one is a hard no for me, even though I enjoyed it in the movie. However, Bill Wyman of the Stones married his wife Mandy when she was 18. They'd been dating since she was 13 years old, and he was about 48 at the time. I still love the Stones. So it's a, it's a tough one. There are a lot of questionable actions by musicians, actors, writers. Everything we enjoy and consume on a daily basis, whether that's movies, TVs, books, video games, music, mm -hmm. there's so many people that have done things that you might not approve of but that doesn't mean that by bringing their product into your life and enjoying it for what it is a piece of art mm -hmm. that you are supporting what they do so when Serge says if you like the song you like Donald Trump you're a hypocrite I can't get behind that idea that if I for some reason like Chris Brown's music and I also give money to violence against women charities then mm -hmm. I'm a hypocrite you know because yeah. I support a charity that does great things but I listen to this guy who did a bad thing at the very least, it's a great debate starter when you get together with your friends over beers. And, you know, everyone's itching to get together with your friends over beers in the, in the time we're living in. So at the very least, what you can grab from this is some conversation topics to bring to the next uh, show, socially distanced gathering you attend. And you are welcome. That is the classic Rock Files, 94.3 The Drive music director, Mike Young. Thank you. Thank you.